Welcome to the ninth Amazing Race Canada 4 recap episode of the RT Number Podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone and joining me as always is the Canadian whose ovaries threaten to burst every time he podcasts, Logan Saunders. Morning. Good morning and it's slightly delayed because Logan slept. Yep. And there has been some big developments this week since we last podcasted. Really? Yeah. A, um, a certain Canuck who is on this podcast is coming to stay at mine for Christmas. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that sounds all right. Um, it's me. And uh, I saw your Instagram story about going to Europe last night, and I hate to tell you, but <laughs> you might not get much tail in Manchester. Oh yeah, I wasn't planning on that to happen in Manchester. I was going to wait till Spain. But in all seriousness, no, that's uh, uh, that was that was just a joke. Um, all the other reasons, including the Mister Mime part, are why I'm going to uh, or why I'm going to Europe. I've not seen Mister Mime yet. Oh, I hate to disappoint you, but it might be slightly unlikely, depending on where we go. I will just keep roaming around Spain until I catch Mister Mime. That, that's that's what I'll do. So, previously, five teams raced to Havana, Cuba. At the detour, Steph cut her finger, but it was the double battle that saw teams try and slice each other out of the competition as they competed in beach volleyball. Uh, Jillian and Emmett served up their second win of the race, while the roadblock caused Rita and Yvette to fall behind, leaving them to check in last, but they were saved by the final non-elimination leg of the season. And teams must now fly to Sydney, Nova Scotia. (laughs) and find the clues that are in their cars at the airport, and they have $300 for this leg of the race. Caution, Super Hyper Mega, double U-turn ahead. Another one. They're really throwing the, from having pretty much absolutely no twist in the first half of the season, pretty much every leg in the second half has had some sort of twist. Could it be because um, we're in the Maritimes and no one actually cares about the Maritimes? Uh, that is a very strong possibility. I know I said that uh, this uh, maritime leg didn't suck for once, and that's the best one we've had. But That's not saying much. <laughs> yeah, that bar was not set very high whatsoever. And next week's looks stupid. Yeah, like this, this week at least had a really strong theme to it, and it didn't go too over the top with product placement or some of the patriotism that they throw in this leg. There is just uh, a bit from just uh, a <laughs> bit's confessional was uh, taken out and was uh, stamped with the patriotism seal of approval during the Coast Guard task. 
other than that, they didn't go too overboard with it like I was expecting them to. Yeah, the way I've seen St. John described is the arsehole of Canada. Really? Where, where, where was this? This is in a private chat from Kurt. <laughs> so we actually have somebody on the ground who uh, can confirm this firsthand. Yeah, he said he was born in St. John and can honestly say that it is the asshole of Canada. Man. So my favourite bit of the opening scenes was just Gillian's cheesy grin. Well, and I love that they threw in another bit of uh, Gillian Abbott sarcasm. Oh, we're so happy that Rita and Yvette got saved. Well, well there's the one part where Joan's like, yay, we're going home, and then Emma just has a very, very sarcastic, yeah. <laughs> he is so mentally checked out of the experience at this point. He's just ready to go back to Nova Scotia and not with Jillian. Yeah. <laughs> They're exes for a reason. I love how Monty's previously on basically said, oh, they didn't manage to screw, screw everything up. I was just like, they finally got along for once. Yeah. I mean, the last time they got along, they were really close to being eliminated. But this time it was back to what we saw at the start of the season, which was them just crushing everybody by nearly two hours or more. Yeah, their departure time was insane. I was very, very surprised that they departed at 12.53 and then the second was Joel and Ashley at 2.35. They slaughtered the last leg. Yeah, this is what we were expecting to happen a bit more frequently throughout the season. But uh, no, it's just been the very start, and then these two legs where Evan and Jillian are back to performing the way that everyone expected them to. I'm assuming that was mainly down to the double battle, but they crushed it if they got a two-hour lead somehow. Yeah, well, each game I think was about 20 minutes long in the volleyball. And then Frankie and Amy's penalty was about 15. Yeah. Unless Emmett was really that good at the roadblock, they crushed it on the double battle. Mm-hmm. Reed and Yvette did not crush it as they started nearly four hours behind. Yeah, but in Canada, no one cares because you're all on the same flight anyway. I do love how much they trolled them, though, in the airport. So uh, it sucks for you guys, but it rocks for us. Yay, us! <laughs> So, once teams land in Sydney, they have to find the Canadian Coast Guard College and search for their next clue. And during the remainder of the leg, their cars will be tracking their movements. The team who drives the fewest amounts of kilometres wins $5,000. At least Chevrolet's putting up something. Yeah. Other than the gr- part of the grand prize. Chevrolet don't really have to do that much egregious sponsorship, because we haven't seen that much sort of really irritating sponsorship, apart from the repeated Mentos appearances. Did you see Donis Air Canada this week with it being over the top in the Cuban airport with the person that was smiling and holding up the vacancy sign, and then the person behind the desk being shown to be super polite? I love how early in the season I was the one person who realised that Air Canada was still kind of sponsoring the show, just not blatantly. Yeah, they went over the top this week. (laughs) Enjoy your flight. <laughs> Enjoy your flight with beautiful Air Canada. Not like those uh, suckers on WestJet who will take your lunch money. Not like those bastards who you've got to fly with. <laughs> they just start mocking their competition. Well, F you, WestJet. <laughs> yeah. You do nothing for Masonry's Canada. You do nothing to showcase our land from coast to coast to coast. You're so un-Canadian. <laughs> You probably don't even like the Canadian Coast Guard. You probably don't even like the Maritimes like most people in Canada. You probably want the Amazing Race Canada to go international. You're the worst. (laughs) 
So once they get to the Coast Guard College, it's an active route info, which is where teams have to use instructions to direct a boat driver to one of two rescue locations. And once there, one team member must jump in and rescue a dummy from the water before returning it to the boat, and then the team delivers it to an ambulance to receive their next clip. And this task was wonderful. I love how Reed and event were just like, yeah, we'll just follow another team where we're tired of looking up starboard and port side, and we're, we're, we're just going to hope that Joel and Ashley are taking us to the right location. I knew as soon as Frankie and Amy got onto their boat and Frankie shouted, Oh my god, my name's Francis! Nice to meet you! That this task would be fun. <laughs> yeah. And also Rita and Yvette getting the world's most sarcastic boat driver. Can you go to port? Can you go to starboard? I can steer to both of those. I'm that good. <laughs> I'm only a Canadian Coast Guard. It'd be funny if he said no. He's like, yeah, nah, I don't, I don't really know which is which. Can you tell me? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of bored of directing myself. You guys do it. Mm-hmm. In fact, you guys just drive the boat. I saw you guys do such a wonderful time with directing a boat when you were during the Kingston leg. I think you could do it uh, today as well. Why not? And also, I love the fact that everyone just had to be rolled into the boat. They couldn't actually drag people up. They had to be rolled in. I hear that Emmett said that this was the toughest thing he's physically had to do in his entire life. And he doesn't even break a sweat at the gym. Yeah. I love how Frankie thought, like, being a Canadian Coast Guard was like being a pirate. And she was like, aye, aye, aye. (laughs) Aye, Captain. It was a good week for Frankie dressing up. Yes. And then, of course, yeah, finding a driver named Francis, which was the elementary school ask, hey... We have the same name. And then the driver being like, that's what it does. It's what it does. She should have said it quite quietly, though, because Deadpool probably would have tried to track her down if she shouted that her name was Francis. Oh, yeah. This guy's Francis. I want to kill him. Uh, so, yeah, Reese and Yvette do follow Joel and Ashley. And they are the only team who get the wrong dummy, leaving them in last place. Dead last. Like, they had to be probably... They probably lost a good half hour by picking up the wrong dummy, so they were probably 45 minutes behind Jill and Ashley, would be my guess. And it was at this point that I thought, hmm, what was Logan's prediction again? Hey, teams that were <laughs> last on non-elimination are 0 for 10 in terms of being eliminated in the subsequent round, and 0 for 7 on being eliminated when they have to do a speed bump. Yeah, about that, Logan. The odds were more, they were ridiculously in my favor. At this point, it would be as certain as the Kroor tribe beating Oolong in an immunity challenge. Yeah, I, I wish I would have made that bet with you because I sort of thought Rita and Yvette were probably going home because everyone else had more story left. But it was just hilarious when Rita and Yvette started falling to the back of the pack and Logan probably started shitting himself because he knew I was going to mock him. Yeah, I kind of expected it once the episode was over. I'm thinking, the one time I post that statistic, the one time... I agree with you that Joel and Ashley are probably the next boot, mm-hmm. but now I kind of was pretty convinced Rita and Yvette were dead in the water this week. No pun intended. Yeah. And uh, Stefan, who knew that wearing that huge, bulky uh, Canadian Coast Guard uniform with Kristen wearing it would somehow be attractive for Steph? <laughs> I forgot to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> it is the most, you know... You know, she didn't say a word. They they were bickering when they had to play beach volleyball. But when they were bundled up in the middle of Nova Scotia doing a Canadian Coast Guard task, 
then oh, suddenly that's the most attractive uh, outfit to wear. That's so hot. Probably. Like, do you know how many layers were <laughs> were in that outfit? Imagine if they had to wear that during the Cuba leg. Oh, that would basically be a Hammerox penalty. Mm-hmm. Hammerox has done that for a hot country before. <laughs> so once teams complete their respective Coast Guard challenge, for four of them, it's the detour, which is feel the burn or feel the rhythm. And in Feel the Burn, teams must take part in three Highland Games events, the Caper Toss, the Farmer's Walk, and the Stone Sorrow to receive the next clue. And in Feel the Rhythm, teams must obviously, because it's the Major Race Canada, learn a traditional Highland dance to receive the next clue. I wonder if Feel the Burn refers to how Monty feels after wearing that kilt all day. Did you know that that costume Monty was wearing was actually his family's tartan? Oh, so this, like, that's passed through the generations then. Yeah, because I actually researched this because I thought, I wonder if they're deliberately doing this with Monty having the right tartan on. And he does. Indeed, his sash was the correct tartan. What's a tartan? You'd know the pattern. It's the pattern that he had on the sash. Okay. But each, I suppose clan rather than family, each clan has their own design of tartan. I want to design my own tartan. Not Scottish, but... (laughs) <laughs> if your family had a tartan it probably would include a horse's head in someone's bed on it <laughs> or an AK-47 or something or a fish Rita and Yvette sleep with the fishes and for everyone but Rita and Yvette they go straight to the detour Rita and Yvette of course have the most ridiculous speed bump in Amazing Race Canada history it is and it looks like it's probably the toughest one actually so it's where a lot of envelopes to stamp I don't think Canada's speed bumps have ever been really lacking compared to the US untying a knot, sitting on an ice chair, that sort of one. But this is definitely up there for Amazing Race Canada. Because they have to carry two sacks of Christmas letters to the Christmas Island post office, then stamp every letter in a marked box with the Christmas postmark before they can continue racing. I love how they just blatantly played Christmas music the whole time and had the creepy Santa Claus ho 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 playing all the way through. Oh god, can you imagine how depressing it would be to work there? Yeah, well look at that one person that was that was the, their one employee who was wearing the Santa hat where she was just slapping the whole time. It's like the people who work at Santa's grottos and things. They must be so unbelievably depressed. Mm-hmm. Because it's not even Christmas time. Like, this would have been filmed in April or May. And my other question is, who sends letters to Santa uh, by, uh, by May? There's... Christmas is still seven months away. I know. <laughs> One observation question for you. Did you notice who Monty's letter was to? Oh, who? Um, Phil Cogan. It was not. It was, actually, an address in Russell, Manitoba for his mum. The letter was addressed to Mama Montgomery, P.O. Box something, Russell, Manitoba. I did not notice that. That is a great catch. I went back and... I'd looked at it because I noticed it originally. Went back and looked at it after the episode. It was actually a P.O. box in uh, in Russell, Manitoba. We have to screen cap that. I am wondering if Monty wants people to send his mum Christmas cards because I can arrange that. <laughs> that might be slightly creepy, but it'll be quite fun. The most Christmas cards that Russell, Manitoba will ever receive. It's got to have a polar bear on there, though. Yeah. That, it's just uh, thousands. It's just thousands that she gets flooded with. You know the, those online... Com- campaigns that are like, oh my kid has no friends, can you send him thousands of birthday cards? I think we should do that with Mama Montgomery. That would be awesome on so many levels. I was kind of afraid of tweeting him saying, do you want me to send your mum a Christmas card? Because you did put the address on there. I think he probably would find that slightly creepy. wonder what Monty thinks of us anyway, <laughs> so... 
Like, is that the is that his, would that be his worst opinion of us? I want Monty to talk to us. I want to get Monty on the podcast, and I think we could come up with a lot of stupid questions for him to answer, rather than the traditional. Oh, how much do you love Canada? He would just walk out. I don't think he would. I think I think Monty probably has a great sense of humour. About, yeah, about I, the sort of, I think so too. About the sort of shit that he knows we would pull. <laughs> However, there is one thing we have to point out, and that's because you wouldn't be allowed on the podcast, Michael, since this is this is amazing race Canada, and we have to keep the podcast interviews in Canada. Good point. I would have to um, let you lead the interview. Mm-hmm. You'd only be able to speak unless uh, spoken to by one of us. So you'd be. You'd be allowed to speak three elevenths of the time. Will you be allowed to um, do any Canadian podcasts if um, if you go to Europe for three months, Logan? You wouldn't be allowed to do any Canadian podcasts in future because you wouldn't be pure-blood Canadian anymore. Oh, well, I mean, I still got Canadian citizenship, so I'd still be okay. So, do you think that this speed bump was slightly unfair because it basically took Rita and Yvette out of contention for the five grand? Did they have to drive there? I thought they just walked over. No, they drove there. They definitely drove. Oh, well, that's what they get for being spared from elimination last leg. That was that was their prize. Yeah, but they, they don't win anything for um, for actually being on the race unless they win the race. So it, it's slightly unfair to make them um, drive somewhere extra. Mm-hmm. Unless all the other teams get really lost. I wonder what the mechanic of announcing it if Rita and Yvette would have won, though they have been called back with the other four teams or would they have just done it for the teams that are remaining? Yeah, I'd be like, but cheer up, guys, because you just won $5,000 for being eliminated this leg. It's still better than Big Brother Canada's grand prize from whoever it was, the washing company. Uh, OxyClean? OxyClean's $500 shopping spree. And a little bit of crack, courtesy of uh, of, uh, Billy Mays. Um, So at the Highland Games roadblock, there are different logs for men and women. Because Amazing Race Canada is sexist. The male farmers walk and the female farmers walk. Everyone should get the same size logs. Yeah, if only if only uh, Hugo Gerard was there to shove Emmett aside and just lift those logs up and just book it down, book it down the lanes. Gone straight over my head. Hugo Gerard was once upon a time uh, Canada, or he competed in the world's strongest man competition and represented Canada. Same with uh, Tom McGee. Tom McGee was actually the closest out of any Canadian to win the competition. He did so in 1982. Wasn't that a um, Survivor of the Amazon tribe? Tom McGee? Yeah, uh, you know, Tom McGee. <laughs> Tom McGee. <laughs> their, their names do sound very similar. This is what happens if you tweet out your jokes before the podcast, because I have time to prepare. <laughs> well played, Michael, yes. Tom Tom McGee was the ninth uh, member of the Amazon. Uh, um, he was actually the guy. He was edited out. Of, he was edited out of the season when uh, Butch had that firewood accident uh, because Tom McGee was burned alive, I guess, uh, while the camp was coming down. And then he threatened to sue the show, and then the show uh, paid him paid him out a, an undisclosed amount of money, and then they just removed his uh, edit from the whole season. And Jillian and Emmett overtake Steph and Kristen at the Farmer's Walk. Emmett and Jillian's conversation in the car leading up to the detour was amusing. Jillian's like, I, I'm a super strong girl, but, but Steph and Kristen are just, are just uh, wow. And then Emmett says, uh, they would kick your ass, Jill. And then Jill's like, what? No, they wouldn't. 
<laughs> Jillian, I hate to tell you, they would. Yeah. I mean, if I can be funny if that members <laughs> references his own experiences of, of beating up Jillian. I mean, if I was able to, you know, power over you so easily, then, then you know, Steph and Kristen would just, it would just be no problem for them. And then it's like, wow, that's the reason why they're exes. And then, uh, then the viewers would file a lot of complaints and be like, wow, you know, this is this is some serious stuff. And then, you know, Emmett goes to goes to trial, and then he's put behind bars, all because of an off the cuff remark on the Amazing Race Canada. At least Jillian and Emmett aren't seen strangling each other yet, like Alana and Mel. <laughs> so frustrating. <laughs> and then uh, with uh, Emmett too. Um, once he's in prison with the inmates, uh, after his first day, he's going to be like, wow, that was, that was the most, uh, physically intense thing I've ever done. I, I don't even sweat when I'm in the gym. I love that you've finally got onto Amazing Race Australia now. We can finally start making jokes about Focus, Believe, Achieve, and... Focus, Believe, Retreat, in, uh, Jeff and Luke's case. Uh, what else was I going to say with the detour? Oh, yeah. What was the name of the Highlander? Debbie the Highlander? Something like that, yeah. Huh. Never even heard of that name. I wonder if that's like a nickname for Devin? <gasps> that's where Devin Sulsendeek's been. <laughs> this is where he's been hiding. He's been hiding in Sydney, Nova Scotia. <laughs> Maybe production originally told him he was going to fly to Sydney. He went to Australia and thought, guys... Are you going to give me any more information? And then at the last second, he was told it would be Sydney, Nova Scotia. He was actually the guy rescued in the water during the Coast Guard task. Speaking of the Coast Guards, why were they like all lined up like uh, sports spectators or something like that? Just lined up giving high fives and cheering on the other, all, the, all the teams as they left. I mean, there was a lot of Coast Guards. Didn't, have, didn't they have like more important stuff to do at the time? Because that's a lot of Coast Guards to just be standing around. It did make me laugh that they were basically lined up like it was the end of the London Marathon or something. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's what it is, yeah. <laughs> they were just cheering them on for the, the end of their uh, for the end of their journey. And then, uh, am I the only one who thought that uh, Frankie was going to seriously injure herself during the farmer's walk? <laughs> I love how her, her and Amy had like the weirdest ways to carry that log. I think this is just our breakout episode for Frankie and Amy. We got a lot of Frankie and Amy this week. Or how insulting this whole round was to Steph, where there was Hanson with bringing the dummy into the boat, then there was caber tossing, farmer's walk, and the stone toss. Everything that involves, like, your wrists and your fingers. <laughs> so suck it, Steph and Kristen. This is what you get for playing with knives. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Steph and Kristen are the first to leave Feel the Burn. And teams must now find the Black House, which is where I'm assuming the first boots of Amazing Race Family Edition live. And that is the site of the W turn board. And as predicted, Frankie and Amy are completely spared from this W turn. In fact, they are the only team not to be implicated in this W turn. And that is because Jillian and Emmett do not see them as a threat. Well, even with like, uh, even in the previous U turn, they were the only team that wasn't uh, nominated for possibly being U turned. Other than uh, Julian Law. Yeah, the, the thing is, whenever we see a confessional of someone going, oh, we want this team in the final three because we can beat them. And both teams said that. Like, it's it's weird. Like, the storyline from the beginning that we were talking about, about uh, Emin and Julian and uh, Steph and Kristen working together to obliterate the other eight teams during the season, 
is really coming full circle here where they realign again just to be just to take out a team that's not Frankie and Amy. They didn't really care who went between Joel and Ashley or Reed and Abed. Yeah, I sort of winced when I saw Emmett's confessional about, oh, we can beat them, because generally when you see that, it means anyone who says it is going to be in the final three with the team they're talking about, and the team they're talking about is going to kick their asses. Mm-hmm. Even when he goes the extra mile and says, we're the sharks, and the sharks need the stoner fish, or whatever the fish he was referencing. You know, we need the stoner fish in the final three. We might as well not even have the next two episodes. Frankie and Amy have won the season. Do you know how much of a letdown it'll be if it's just final three, Emma and Jillian, Stefan, Chris, and Frankie and Amy, and then, you know, Emma and Jillian win the final leg by an hour and a half or something like that? Do you know how disappointing that would be? Yeah, they won't, though. I think we can pretty safely lock it in at final four, that our final three is going to be everyone but Joel and Ashley and Frankie and Amy have won. Yeah, like with Emma and Jillian, Stefan, Chris, and they probably, probably since about day one, they've been the, I mean, they've been hogging up a lot of the airtime. If I had to poll the casual audience, they're probably the two least popular teams, probably from the beginning. Yeah, it, we've been building up to this all season of Jillian and Emmett and Stefan Kristen being in the final leg, who's going to win, and frankly it doesn't really matter, because whoever's in the final three with them, whether it is Joel and Ashley or Frankie and Amy, but it's going to be Frankie and Amy, they're going to win. Mm-hmm. I love too with the U-turn this time around, that Stefan Kristen get there first, and then they're just like, well, uh, considering the first U-turn, uh, Emma and Jillian almost finished second, even with being U-turned. Uh, and knowing that they're only, you know, 10 seconds behind us, there's really, there's really no point wasting our energy to U-turn them again. We may as well try and protect Frankie and Amy. I'm, I'm surprised that Frankie and Amy are viewed, were viewed as being weaker than Reed and Yvette, considering Reed and Yvette had the lowest average by 0. 0.65 uh, points. By quite a way. Yeah. It's significant. The top four of the season are the top four in terms of average. Mm-hmm. That cannot be changed now. In what order, it's going to be slightly different, but that cannot be changed with Rita and Rivette being eliminated now. So I see Frankie and Amy as a threat, especially when they can basically convince Steph and Kristen to bitch slap Jillian and Emmett and give them the express pass. When they get no blowback at all for having the express pass, don't even mm-hmm. get targeted at all for having the express pass. I would see Frankie and Amy as a massive threat, personally. Yeah, nobody's giving them any credit for anything. Apart from us. You know what's terrible? Bagpipes. <laughs> I would agree. Bagpipes are awful. They, they were, it was really loud on the audio, too, compared to everything else. Uh, you'd just be sitting back, and then it cuts back to Joel and Ashley and Rina Vetta, the dancing task, and then, whoa! Uh, bagpipes galore. And you know... You know that there's a lot of uh, Scottish people around because all the dancers, most of them anyway, were gingers. In fact, uh, when Joel and Ashley uh, completed the detour, uh, they got a big ginger hug from the instructor. I bet Monty felt completely at home in Nova Scotia. Maybe he actually (laughs) sort of convinced production to go to Nova Scotia just so they could do this sort of Scottish-themed leg. They're probably really rude to blondes there, I would imagine. They'd be like, how do you, how, you know, how, how do you like it now, you know? So, Jillian and Emmett do leave Burn in second. Steph and Kristen U-turn Joel and Ashley, despite their promise, in leg six. Uh, Jillian and Emmett U-turn Rita and Yvette. And then Joel and Ashley get rejected. Frankie and Amy leave. Uh, Rita and Yvette get rejected. And then Joel and Ashley and Rita and Yvette leave in fourth and fifth, respectively. 
there's no point even talking about post-U-turn because, you know, nothing changed. So teams must now find the Lewisburg National Historic Site and then get changed into period costumes before they can head to the box, which contains their next clue. I like that actually showed more class with the U-turn this time around and did not refer to uh, Evan and Jillian as fart faces uh, this time, or Stephen Kristen. Yeah, can you imagine if Jillian and Emma had U-turned them again? It probably felt like they were just being U-turned by Evan and Jillian again, though. I mean, there's probably not much distinction between Stephen, Kristen, Emma, and Jillian by this point in the season. They're the two teams that have, that are, that have been borderline kicking your ass since day one. What I would say, though, is why on earth are Stephen, Kristen, and Jillian and Emma aligning? You would think they would want to be like, hey, instead of having just one team with you as being really weak in the final three... Why not try to find two teams you think are really weak in the final three? Like, do they just want them to have, like, are they so, are both of them just so competitive that they want this huge showdown in the finale? Exactly. I mean, there's being competitive, like I am, and there's being logical. You don't want teams who you'll lose to in the final. You want teams you can kick their asses off. Yeah, like, you think a red flag would go off in their head when they're thinking, oh, Man, uh, no point in you train Emma and Jillian because they're so good. Your next thought should be, wait a second. This team that we think is so good may or may not be the team most likely to beat us at the end. There's only one leg of the race you need to win, and that's the final one. Mm -hmm. Anything other than that is a bonus. So, once teams have their clue at the Lewisburg National Historic Sites, they have to... Do another active route info, which is rolling six barrels up a hill and then firing a cannon. Do a barrel roll! I was waiting for that. Yeah, ro- roll a barrel up a hill and then uh, fire a cannon to get their next clue. There's not a whole lot to say about this task. Um, still, other than Steph's <laughs> Steph having to do another hands-on task. <laughs> Apart from the one important scene of Frankie and Amy planning out their route to the monument to try and win five grand. Because that's not going to come back. <laughs> Oh, funny thing with uh, Ashley back at the detour is that she referenced that uh, the farmer's walk was, was like uh, next-level torture. And I'm surprised she, she said this, considering the previous leg, they were just in the country that has Guantanamo Bay. I mean, if it was hammer arts, they probably would have given them a double battle of trying to survive being waterboarded. Mm-hmm. Or listen to bagpipes for half an hour. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm not sure which would be worse, having... Uh... Having to listen to to bagpipes or uh, having to be waterboarded. <laughs> and then we see the gloriousness that is Frankie and Amy trying to get all six up at the same time. And they and it works. They are able to do it. it. Must have taken forever, though. I'm not sure I would have done all six. I might have tried doing four just to see whether it's possible and then you only have to do two after that anyway. Mm-hmm. But I, I think Six is kind of a bit OCT. If only Steph was like Sierra from Worlds Apart and could just roll on top of the barrels, then she wouldn't have had to use her hands at all. Yeah, I wonder if teams were told they actually had to roll them with their hands rather than running on top of them. Mm-hmm. Or it'd be, or if Steph had just played lots of Super Mario RPG. So, yeah, the Emmett and Jillian hurry up, we're in a race scene, was just wondrousness. Oh, yeah. I lost my sneaker. <laughs> I lost my sneaker, Emmett. Want to borrow one of mine? Your feet are too big. <laughs> Can you not hurry up uh, firing the cannon? We're in a race, Jillian. I've never been here before. It's nice. 
<laughs> and Jillian just turns into a race demon. A race demon. <laughs> Jill, just have fun. Take this in. <laughs> I don't think there's any other relationship in Amazing Race that could get away with one partner calling the other one basically a race demon. And I love how the analogy, how Jill explains why she's a race demon by the fact that she wants to have five kids. I... <laughs> no, it's that she's one of five kids. Oh, one of, I thought that makes no sense. Yeah, if she was an actual race demon, she probably, well, she would have devil babies by that point, and I'm not sure the fine heaven and hell balance could um, could maintain another five demons in the world. Could you imagine if Chillian took five, five of her kids to, to the cannon firing or to... I don't know, any, anywhere that's supposed to be peaceful or or some neat cultural experience. And all of all six of them are just screaming to hurry up as fast as possible. See, now I'm just imagining, like, Jillian trying to give birth, doing the exorcist head spin and uh, vomiting everywhere and climbing up the walls. You're going to have to do have to have a C-section, Jillian. I can't, I've lost my sneaker. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we did actually have a question about uh, Jillian's shoe from uh, from Kurt Reptil, who said he was thinking about it. Do you think production will pick it up and give it to her, or will she have to buy or borrow a new pair? I think she has to buy or borrow another shoe. Yeah, I think she'll have to buy or borrow, but, you know, they got $300 this leg, and they're probably going to be driving to New Brunswick, so it's not going to be the end of the world. No, they can just find a cheap running shoe that they can use for the, for two rounds. And related, any idea if Amazing Race Canada allows teams to bank their cash uh, from the start of the legs? And I would assume, I know that this is the case in the US where any money left over teams get to keep because it's cash. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure about Tar Canada because Tar Canada, as you've said in your Australia blog this week, is very cheap. And they also give them a shit ton of money on the cards. Oh, yeah, it's a lot of the time really cash. It's just all in their BMO card, isn't it? Yeah, they, they don't get cash on Amazing Race Canada. They're, I'm assuming they can take it out because, you know, mm-hmm. they probably need to pay for, like, taxes and stuff with it. And I hear that really stumps Jamie and Pierre. I'd assume that they can't keep the balance after the, the race because they'd probably all end up with, like, five grand otherwise. And Ashley's so scared by the cannon blast that she thinks one of her ovaries just burst. She just has a way with words, does Ashley. You know what, what should happen is right when the cannon blast occurs, there should be like one of those like uh, health or cold and flu commercials, you know, where they have the little map of the human body where it's just the where it's just a really cartoonish uh, view of it. It'd be funny if they did, did one of Ashley and you just see the ovary just having like a cartoon bursting sound effect. Yeah, someone should do that, but with a little cartoon cannon aimed at yeah. Ashley's ovary. It fires, the ovary just bursts. And then on top of that, it should be like Bugs Bunny where like the ovary is all like covered in suit or something from the explosion and then just has like blinking eyes and then the wah 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 sound effect plays. Or even better is if they is right when the cannon blast plays, they should cut to Bart Simpson where he has that quote from Simpson's hit and run where he's like, ow, my ovaries. <laughs> So, one's teams have fired the cannon. Uh, they have to drive themselves to the Lewisburg Lighthouse, the pit stop for this leg of the race. The last team to check in may be sung off by the Men of the Deeps, whoever they are. Yes, the Men of the Deeps who are minor men. Real, real men. They don't wear, none of them wear kilts. Who are world famous, apparently, despite the fact I've never heard of them. 
I've never heard of them either. <laughs> I know that we'll probably get some hate for that, but I have no idea who they are. I laughed so hard each time they were showing on screen because of how over the top it was that they were just singing and coming up with random lyrics and just introducing themselves as the minor men each time. I mean, the UK hasn't had coal mining since the 1980s. We don't really know what mines are anymore. Hate to tell you that, Canada. Yeah, there wasn't even a coal miner's daughter either. Uh, and Gillian does indeed forget her, her shoe when she's leaving, but her and Emmett still manage to check in in first, win in their home province, and they win a trip to Mexico City. Yay! And $5,000 later on. Spoilers! Sorry, I... Uh, it was just not... I didn't think it was noteworthy enough to delay it. Well, it is. So shut up. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh... You know what would be funny? You know what the what a real speed bump penalty would be? Is if every action Regan and Yvette took had to be narrated by the minor men in, in, in a sing-song form. Like, especially if they were at the cannon task and then the minor men are like, and Ashley's ovary just burst. <laughs> I would love it if they got to the airport, found the speed bump uh, board, and then instead of getting an actual car, they had like a minibus that they had to take the riders with them everywhere. <laughs> yeah, two of them just ride around with them from each task in the Chevrolet vehicle. <laughs> uh, no, no, the entire men of the deep. Oh, the entire men of the deep. They have like a, a coach that they've got to drive. They have to drive everywhere. They have to... Um, Take a ferry with them for the uh, for the Coast Guard task because there's no room in the dinghies. I declare your stamping technique to be less than satisfactory. At the um, the Highland Fling task, they the men of the deeps just have to um, stand at the back of the stage looking awkward. They have to wait for all the men of the deeps to get changed into period costumes at the fortress. That would be a real penalty. <laughs> <laughs> and they all just stand around you when you're trying to move the barrel so it becomes really annoying and some of them are like trying to balance on the barrel it's just for fun and then and then like Rena and Peck can be like guys knock it off and they're like we're just having fun on these barrels it's a barrel of fun welcome to beautiful Nova Scotia didn't you wish you were in the other Sydney by now so right behind Gillian and Emmett of course were Steph and Kristen uh, with Frankie and Amy in third, and Joel and Ashley in fourth, leaving Rita and Yvette to be played the sad, sad tune of the Men of the Deeps, and eliminated in fifth place. I hear Steph and Kristen want nothing to do with the Men of the Deep. <sighs> <laughs> you can imagine the look you just got off me. <laughs> Oh, the men of the deep. You're going to miss doing Steph and Kristen jokes, aren't you? <laughs> I bet you're hoping and praying that the Vietnamese lesbians from Amazing Race Asia 5 are going to be uh, up to the Steph and Kristen standard of you being able to make inappropriate jokes about them. <laughs> oh, the season's too fun. And yeah, this Atlanta, Atlantic Canada leg did not completely suck. I mean, it was super physical, so the top two was kind of inevitable. But still, this podcast wasn't 20 minutes long like I was expecting it to be. 
it's shorter than I expected it to be, mainly because we've not got much stupid jokes to make this week, like we have had the past couple of weeks. <laughs> so, um, should we uh, serenade our besties for life? Or if you're the men of the, men of the deep, uh, testies for life? I can't say I'm surprised that Rita and Yvette went, just because it was kind of obvious with how their story was going that they probably weren't going to win the season, whether you realised it or not, Logan. Uh, I was really hoping for like an under-the-radar emerging storyline, like, oh, we're in the middle of the pack and nobody thinks we're a threat. And then, oh, middle of the pack, people kind of thought they were a threat. Couldn't survive a U-turn and a speed bump, though. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't Ryan and Rob it. They were more Tanner and Josh than Ryan and Rob. And they become the first team in 11 non-elimination uh, follow-ups to be eliminated. The streak is over. So, next time, teams head to St. John, New Brunswick. And sticky situations, a double battle of golf. Golf, oh God. for God's sake. Golf face-off. And some sort of blindfolded, scented roadblock determine the final three of the season. I've got a feeling next week's going to be our typical Atlanta candle leg that's going to just be terrible. I think we're just going to sit here ragging on it next week. <laughs> I just can't imagine. If editors can make golf entertaining, I will be amazed. I'm getting mad um, Amazing Race Canada 1 vibes from this penultimate leg. I think I'm going to be really, really pissed off. Yeah. Because that golf double battle just screams the sort of pointless task, like they had the busking task in Major Race Canada 1, that just turned into the fan favourites going home in fourth place and starting the legacy. And who on earth wants another double battle that is golf? I don't know, but I think it's enough to make Ashley's one of her other ovaries first. Having said that, if Joel and Ashley do end up getting an eagle, I will be amazed. <laughs> Editors, you have so much material to work on. If this is what you are building up to with Joel and Ashley's eagle sound effects, I will love you forever. So, on that note, thank you for listening to this US Team Number podcast. You can join us every Wednesday for more Amazing Race Canada recaps when there's only two left. And if you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, our Twitter accounts, RTV Warriors, or our own Twitter pages, MJ Harmstone for me and Logsupercocky for Logan. And if you are following Australian Survivor, oh my god, at that last episode, Logan hasn't seen it, so I can't talk about it. But Ben and Michelle will be podcasting about it. And if you are following RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars 2, uh, Spencer Wilson is recapping those on the blog every week as well. See you later. Peace out. Chill. Till the next episode. I feel like I'm a super strong girl, and those girls are like, wow. Oh, they would kick your ass, Joe. What? I think one of my ovaries burst.